Hello, you're listening to a Medieval Madness podcast. To see the accompanying visuals, please check out our YouTube channel. Cheers! The smock, hose, kirtle, dress, belt, surcoat, girdle, cape, hood, and bonnet are just some examples of the more standard medieval clothing. However, fashion trends did sometimes get a little ridiculous too. So, strap your Gucci boxers tight as we travel back in time to look at fashion during the Middle Ages. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Just as it does today, fashion and necessity dictated what the people wore during the Middle Ages. Cultural traditions were wide-ranging across Europe and Asia, as were the materials available. Fashions would depend on the century that the man or woman lived in, where they lived, and what their position was in society. Obviously, a 15th century Venetian's clothes would look nothing like those of a 7th century Viking. Fashions did change quite slowly. Today we find some of the trends that were popular in the Middle Ages quite silly, such as the 18-inch chopine, platform shoes of the Italian aristocracy, or the canonical henin headdresses, similar to a Turkish fez that could reach heights of up to 4 feet, as well as the ridiculously long sleeved dresses and the men's chokingly skin-tight hoods. For the most part, clothing was made of three main materials, linen, wool, and silk. These were all manufactured in a range of different weights. The finer the weave, then the more expensive and softer the material was likely to be. Fabrics such as taffeta and velvet were made for the wealthier wearer and were not available until the later medieval period. Leather was used for an assortment of accessories such as shoes and belts, as well as armour. After the 10th century, fur became fashionable as a sign of status. Before this time, it was thought too vulgar to wear because of its use by barbarians. Everything from ermine, fox, rabbit, and squirrel were used for both warmth and luxury. Dyes were made from various materials such as crushed insects, tree bark, nuts, plants, iron oxide, roots, lichen, and even mollusks. The adding of colour meant extra work for the manufacturer, raising costs so that the poorer peasants were only able to wear undyed fabrics of muted colours. The brightest and most expensive dyes were reserved for the nobility and royalty. Although the natural dye woad, made from a flowering plant, produced a dark blue dye and was used extensively by every class of society. The Early Middle Ages Fashion changed quite slowly between the 5th and 12th centuries. The men of this period usually wore a tunic and some form of legging. The basic T-shaped tunic would have sleeves and a hole for the neck, and the length of the tunic would depend upon the man's occupation or social status. Soldiers and peasants would wear them at knee length or shorter so that they were not hindered in their daily work, and they were made from coarse wool. In warmer climates, trousers might not be worn at all. The most basic leg coverings were just strips of cloth worn around the leg and tied on with long laces. Richer men wore their tunics longer, and although they did use wool and linen in their clothing, they were of a finer texture than those worn by the common man. Silk was only used for the clothing of the nobility and was usually brought in from the Byzantine Empire, as only the elite were able to afford the costs involved with importing luxury goods from outside of Europe. Cotton was also brought in from Egypt and other countries of the East. Sometimes these tunics would fall all the way to the floor and were extravagantly embellished. Charles the Bold of Burgundy liked to wear cloth of gold as the ultimate status symbol. Many of his subjects found that keeping up with the fashions of his court ruined them financially. In Western Europe, a cloak or mantle was sometimes thrown over the shoulders, especially in winter. This served the same purpose as an overcoat. 
The Germanic people wore a waist-length cape known as a say, which would be secured on the left shoulder with decorative jewellery items such as shoulder pins or brooches known as fibulas. This was so the right arm could move freely when handling a sword. Many of these brooches were highly ornate and were made from gold or silver for those with status and money. Other decorative items such as belts, buckles and metal purses were also worn by the elite during the early Middle Ages. The significant influence of the church ruled society during the time, so it's not surprising that women always wore some type of head covering in public, to naturally preserve modesty. A simple veil would be held on by a headband or circlet. No respectable woman would be seen out without one, as it was seen as a temptation to good men. Going outside without covering her hair, a woman would leave herself open to suspicion and gossip. In the French town of Arles, if an honest woman saw a prostitute wearing a veil, she was legally entitled to rip it off. Women usually wore a simple, full-length tunic-like dress with sleeves. There would be a slit on the bodice so that the tunic could be easily put on and taken off. The slit was held together with lacing, normally from a narrow strip of leather or strong fabric. Headwear Peasants in the fields wore straw hats to protect them from the sun, and this remained unchanged throughout the centuries. Men also wore chaperons, which were a hood and cape all in one piece, and were first worn before the beginning of the 13th century. Sometimes the cape was scalloped for decoration, and the hood would end in a pointed tail. They were worn by both men and women of the lower classes in northern Europe, made from wool for warmth in the winter and linen for shade in the warmer months. Eventually, this hooded cape evolved into a hat with a loose tail hanging from the back before becoming a padded circular hat. Wimples were worn mostly by married women from the 10th to the 14th centuries, which covered the head, neck, and chin. Later, as well as the circlet and veil, a narrow chin strap called a barbette became common. This style of headdress might also have mesh hairnets on either side of the head. By the end of the Middle Ages, the tall headdress known as a henin was in vogue. It was worn at a 45 degree angle at the back of the head. The very long steeple henin was only popular in Europe for about 50 years before it was succeeded by the moral practical low hoods and caps. Shoes Shoes were worn by all classes, even the very poor who wore simple turn shoes made from leather. The basic design and style of shoes remained the same throughout the medieval period. For the richer buyer, better quality materials and finer details were added. The leather could be decorated with cutwork patterns or stamping. They were popular with both sexes. For the nobility and royalty, shoes were gilded or studded with pearls and jewels. By the 12th century, pointed shoes were becoming popular. In England, they became known as Krakows or Polanes by the late 1300s because of the influence of King Richard II's Polish wife. Over the years, the length became more and more exaggerated, and by the 15th century, some had toes up to 24 inches long. They were stuffed with all sorts of materials to keep their shape, such as moss, hair, wool, or grass. These shoes were frowned upon by the church because of their phallic shape and were very impractical. Warriors had to cut off the points of their polanes before going into battle. Overshoes called patterns were worn over the top of normal shoes for protection from mud and sewage on the streets. They were usually made from wood or cork, had leather laces to tie them on, and were worn by both men and women. Indoors, slippers or pinsons were worn, and were often fur-lined for warmth and comfort. Sumptuary Laws Because of the improvement of wages and living standards after the Black Death, laws were brought in to stop the lower classes from dressing like their social superiors. Sumptuary laws attempted to limit the people from buying luxury items of food, clothing, and furniture. The laws of 1363 limited the types of fur and fabric that could be worn. 
At one time, the tall Henin headdress was banned for wear by the lower classes, although they were completely impractical for performing tasks anyway. It was judged that any woman with an income less than £10 was banned from wearing them. The toe length on shoes was also limited. In London, only the nobility could wear shoes with toes longer than 2 inches. And in 1463, purple, royal blue, and crimson dyed clothing was restricted. From 1483 in England, the wearing of fabrics such as velvet, satin brocade, and cloth of gold was limited to knights and lords, as was the wearing of furs ermine and sable. If a yearman or an esquire of the crown had an income of at least £40 a year, then he could wear satin or damask. The High and Late Middle Ages Now European fashions began to change at a much faster pace, especially for women. The Crusades and the exploration of other continents by adventurers such as Marco Polo introduced new styles from other cultures. The spinning wheel and horizontal loom made the production of textiles much simpler. Increased production meant an improvement of trade as beautiful clothing became more affordable. Tunics became tighter for both sexes. Women's gowns became fitted from the shoulder to below the waist. Longer sleeves widened to a bell shape and were sometimes so long that they touched the ground. Being fitted around the body, with armholes that were far too tight and with sleeves that were too long, the 12th and 13th century clothing was uncomfortable and awkward to wear. This trend for tighter clothing inspired men to keep a slim physique. Men wore linen breeches and shirts as undergarments with woolen hose to cover the legs. On top of the shirt, a buttoned doublet was worn which would often have a skirting or pleating at the hem. Slashes were made in the sleeves which showed the under tunic beneath. This was pulled through to produce billows of contrasting colour and fabric. By the 14th century, a noblewoman's outfit consisted of several layers. A chemise of fine linen next to the skin, then a fitted gown or kirtle was worn over that, a sideless surcoat might be put on over that to show the garment beneath, and another more voluminous one might be added for travel as well as a cloak. Top layers, necklines, hems and sleeves may have been trimmed with a pleat silks or embroidery. Tablet weaving was also used as a garment trim, as well as for straps and belts. Buttons now became functional instead of just for decoration only, and handkerchiefs became fashionable. Noble women also wore jeweled girdles and carried small purses that they hung from their belts. The Hoopaland became popular in Europe during the late medieval period. It was an outer garment for both men and women. It consisted of very wide sleeves and a high collar. The excess of cloth at the back of the robe hung down and dragged on the floor behind the wearer. The hoopalanda was often completely lined with expensive fur and its edges would be cut into decorative shapes. The long legal and academic robes that are still worn today evolved from this garment. As the era known as the Middle Ages came to an end, trade and technology advanced quickly. Beginning in Italy, Western Europe moved into a time of both cultural and artistic awakening known as the Renaissance, where fashions would only become more and more ostentatious. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Please leave a like and a comment if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Cheers!